You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. All right, everyone, welcome back to our August podcast uh, where I talk to a handful of property managers around the Denver market to get updates on what property management leasing is doing and how the past month's performance was. So we're recording this on, let's see, August 13th is today. So we're recording this and the first property managers I'm talking to are Ellie and Devin Reimer with Arrowwood Property Management. How's it going, guys? Good. Good. How are, how are you? you? That was insane. <laughs> You guys got to do that the rest of the show. Okay, we'll try. try. So let's start off with this. I always like to start off with just, you know, we're we're about halfway through August. And we all know now at this point that a lot of times we're in payment plans. But looking back at July, how did July pan out for you guys and your landlords in terms of like rents collected, performance, all that good stuff? I would say our delinquency amount is still the same. Um, I will say August has been a little bit different shift or per se, like a feeling in the market. Um, the tenants that are really, truly struggling um, are at their last rope. Um, there's not much more we can do for them. Um, they're all on their 30-day postings. They're coming into court. So the stress is super freaking them out. Um, when we go into the court system, um, it's kind of like playing a monopoly system of getting a court date. Uh, so over here at Arrowwood, we're working with our owners and giving cash for keys and try to negotiate really hard to get these guys out. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, I got to say, this is some really sad days. Uh, the people that are really yeah. at the end have big balances, um, NSFs that we're seeing. Um, thank God it's not a huge amount of people. Um, but when you run the numbers, those couple people, it's, it, it's some pretty sad stories. And there's no resources. So we did at Arrowwood, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been going out to try to find resources for our tenants. Um, and thank God I got really good owners that are holding on. And so we were able just to hold pull this guy that had $11,000 balance. Um, as of today, he has a $2,000 balance. So we were able to, as a company, help this man get resources to keep his home and get my owners paid. Because I'm going to tell you, honestly, this is probably the first time I've got to say in 15 years, eviction's not the way to go because the court system is so lagged. It's just going to take these guys forever and my investors make no money. So so do you, do, do you think this shift in August... Has anything to do with the extra unemployment benefits running out at July, the extra $600 a week? I do. Certainly feel that? Okay. I do. And I feel like, you know, the media is just ramping up this COVID thing more and more and more about the cases, and it's just not going to get any better. I mean, tenants are already freaking out about the second stream. The guys that just went back to work, they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, you know, last month in July, we had a couple units just walk out. Um, again, uh, I actually had three units just text me and left keys on the counter. Uh, that's just that was back in July. Yeah, yeah. and that's just okay. that's just not normal. Tenants yeah. just don't do that, right? Which, and unfortunately, that's a better situation than a lot of Evicting. the other people that yeah. can't pay rent. You know, because then at least we can get the unit released. Um, and you know, if there's any damages, of course, we still have the security deposit. It's not ideal, but it's kind of what's been having to happen. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, and like I just said in another meeting, I'm going to tell everybody the most important thing is the applications that are coming in. I, I got to tell you, man, you've got to really screen these people because if someone else is giving cash for keys and we're not processing through the courts, we don't know if they have a $12,000 balance to the previous person. So, you know, back in the days when you pull good credit and everything looked good, 
you know, our systems have always been very consistent. I have to say, really verifying the employer and really verifying how they're going to pay the rent. I mean, if they can't pay the rent, you're going to have to decline that 800 credit score. And you got to change your guidelines to adapt to that. Because if I get false paperwork, I'm going to decline, right? Um, it's just, I mean, I can honestly tell you, it's, we're still renting very fast. The market's great. I don't want to put anybody under like, oh my God, the market's on fire because it's not. The rental market's still very consistent, but you really have to make sure you're doing your homework on who you're moving into your property. So I got, I got quite a few questions out for you guys from all the, all the stuff you threw at us. Um, so out of your portfolio, what, what's the rough percentage you would say of people that are, that are delinquent? um on rent two percent yeah very little like july we collected over 95 definitely over 95 percent of our rents and it's the same people that we had issues with the month before it's the back rent that's stacking up it's hard to answer that all the time because you know i drop my owners like on the 15th and then people pay i pay my owners on the 20th 21st 22nd 23rd so as a company like you know we have over 300 doors and i have three people that need to be evicted so, um, and those okay. would, would look with large balances. So that's well, that's, that's 1%, right? If I'm doing my math, 1% or less than 1%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when we run those so, kind of numbers, we're comfortable. So overall it's, you're collecting the majority of your rent for most of your tenants, but then you've got a, a you know, 1% of your portfolio where, Hey, these guys are just not paying, um, and is it, are those handful of people, are they people that are just like gaming the system or there's like life sucks right now just because of COVID for them. It's yeah. a little bit of, it's a combination of both. Okay. Um, it's really hard for us it, to keep our emotions out of it <laughs> because we're the ones talking yeah. to our owners that aren't making the mortgage, you know, that don't have the mortgage covered. Um, and we actually, I don't know, Devin and I almost take it personally. Like when I have to keep calling these investors saying, Oh my God, you don't have your rent. Um, I would say one is working the system for sure. And the other two are seriously in tears. Um, when we came to that 30 day mark, they knew it was over. Um, and unfortunately I don't really feel I had the legal team to back me to tell them it was over. So that's when we really started negotiating pretty hard to get them out or get them resources to keep their home. All three of those owners, um, or those tenants, excuse me, we actually asked, asked to do a walkthrough on it, even through COVID and thank God all the properties are in perfect condition. Because all an investor hears is no payment. Oh my God, they're trashing my home. The world is crashing, right? Mm -hmm. So we were able to reassure to our investors that the property is still in good condition. And just because they're not paying their rent, they're not trashing the home. And that was a good reassurance for the investor. And are you seeing like like a common theme with, I mean, again, this might be hard with like those three or four tenants you have. Are they certain, um, you know, tenant class or property class type? Are they all you know, a, a, a class C building in this part of town, or is it, you know, like, can you kind of give the high level roof for each of those three or four tenants as far as just like property type and location? I'm just really curious as like, if you're identifying like trends. So one of the properties is set in Cherry Creek schools and it's probably worth 600,000 and his rent's 2,700 a month. So that's a, 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 a pretty nice detached Very nice. single family there. Okay. And then one is in a building in, um, Congress Park. No, Congress Park's the other one. Really nice building. It's probably a B class. Um, That one is the one that's working the system a little bit. And then our third one is setting in North Aurora. And it's, they're trying, man. That's a case of. It's a grown man calling in crying every other day. No income. They've lost it all. So, yeah. 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 
So that's interesting. So it's, I mean, that's, those are very three distinct um, tenant and property classes. Okay. So there's no one, Hey, avoid this. No, no, not, I mean, okay. that's not, we're not saying that at least. Not with COVID. And, you know, I think the scary part about COVID right now is at the beginning of COVID, everybody lost their jobs and that affected everybody. Right. So now what I'm seeing is people are getting sick with COVID and they have to take off two, three, four weeks, get 15 tests before they're, ne- you know, a negative, And that's what's killing the next round. And honestly, mm. that is the round that scares me is when people start getting sick with COVID because they have to take so much time off. Oh, I haven't even thought about that yet. So that's probably going to be, yeah, that, that'll be an issue as, as well, hopefully we don't get a spike here like in other states, but if that happens like, yeah. Hmm. And it seems that, that that makes sense with, you know, people that lose their jobs that can't work remotely. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, those tend to be slightly lower paying. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, as far as, um, leasing activity what i know the last couple months been, it's been pretty hot how is it so far in in you know late july early august it's, it's great. still hot yeah it's moving okay like we said earlier we kind of upped our marketing we're, we're still taking more steps to do that even further um now our photos are better we're actually doing 3d walkthroughs and floor plans just kind of you know extending our services so that, that people feel more comfortable leasing without seeing the unit in person yeah. So we think that's definitely taking part in it for us. Um, but yeah, there's plenty. We're sometimes releasing units the first day they're up and they're not underpriced. So right. uh, it's, it's working out. The only part on the leasing side that is is when a tenant's moving out. So we had to refinangle that because we have a T60. So they give a 60 day notice. Um, and so I have to just educate the investor telling them that we're not going to put it on the market till they move out because I can't show it. And then by the time I move, they, they move out and I start can market it, we're on the market for 61 days. So everybody thinks it's a stale listing. Um, so what we do is a coming soon. And uh, we do a coming soon about two weeks before they vacate. And we usually run it, honestly, Murphy's Law, we literally rent it within the first five days it's vacant. Well, hopefully you don't just jinx yourself there. I know, um, I know. Sometimes I do jinx myself. <laughs> so, and, and are you seeing any, because I know you guys have a pretty... Uh, pretty diverse portfolio, um, you know, around around the Denver metro area. Um, I've I've definitely you know talked to some property managers and and read some various reports, you know, from like the Denver Metro Apartment Association. I know the Class A stuff downtown from both you know listings and from renters. We're seeing you know uh, uh, price drops in both, longer listing times, vacancy times. Um, other than that, though, or what can you guys give as far as like, you know, are condos or apartments or homes, are they all still hot or is everyone moving out to the suburbs now to get away from downtown? Like, are you seeing a, a level of interest or still like, hey, we still have a damn shortage of rental properties. People just need to find a place to live. You know, I, I think that kind of goes by section. I'll talk about like I have this one property setting in Denver, super cute studio. It should have been hot, should have been gone. Um is this a condo townhouse? It's a condo. It's a one, okay. one, um, it's garden level. We have it priced below market. Um, and I've been setting on it for quite some time. I've even pushed a move in special. The problem is with that particular property is center downtown and the homeless, um, the homeless population has killed my showings. So when I literally go to show the building, um, we have to move homeless people and their tents out of the way. So that particular property in Denver, I can tell you my Denver apartments right now are kind of slower. Um, I have a building off of St. Paul that rents like hotcakes. I've been setting on this one bedroom for six weeks. 
um, we're getting showings, but when people get there, there there's like something holding them back. Um, I call and we follow up on all our showings and ask what the feedback is. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's price right. It's just not for us. So when you bring that question to our attention, it is kind of interesting to hear that because I would say our bird properties are running so much faster apartment townhomes and North Aurora is killing it right now. I mean, we're talking Colfax and Peoria priced right clean. It is gone. I mean, studios nine ninety five really? with hundred rubs. Oh yeah. Okay. So to answer that question, I would kind of say that our Denver units, yeah. our Denver apartments are a little bit running a little bit slower than um, our average how I like our homes in the suburbs and townhomes. Now, when you say Denver apartments, are you talking like like downtown Denver or are you talking, you know, uh, uh, Congress Park, Cheeseman Park? Like how, how big of a radius? And we've got, we don't buy a lot of stuff with our investors. Like we bought, I think, nothing downtown, um, but we buy a lot of stuff more like maybe the outskirts of it um, and a lot in the suburbs and the rural and stuff like that. So like what, what part of Denver specifically? Like how, how big of a radius? So our downtown properties, we also have very few of those. Those are the difficult yeah. ones. That's what she's talking about. The one with the homeless issue is very downtown, um, you know, where okay. there's basically homeless camps set up along the streets, which there's nothing we can do about that. Um, but yeah, a little bit further out. So, you know, some of like the surrounding neighborhoods that are more, there's more single families, there's more duplexes and all that thing. So like Alamo Placida, Cherry Creek, um, you know, a little bit south on Colfax, like Ellie was saying, North Aurora. All of those, they're different. Um, we have more of those too, so it's a little bit easier for us to say. Um, and I'm imagining what you're saying is the apartments in downtown Denver, those are what's largely affected, which we just don't have as many of those. So yeah, yeah. now that you bring that up, we do notice our one or two that we do have there, those are our issues. Um, the one on St. Paul, that one's Congress Park. So that's a little bit of an outlier. Baffling. But yeah, um, but overall, once you're right outside of like the immediate downtown area, it's about the same for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in regards to whether it's a, you know, like a smaller class B apartment building, you know, like those, you know, two, three story, nine, 12 unit buildings or a duplex, all kind of like similar interest. And in- yeah, most of ours in those area are six units or less. Okay. But they're still somewhat co-living. They're still attached properties, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Yeah, they're attached. Yep. Okay. That's, that's really good news. And you're still saying North or along Colfax. That's, that's actually, that's gotten hotter. You know, um, it, to me, it baffles me how fast I can list a property and literally with our technology, we can see all the leads coming in. I hit submit and like 15, 20 minutes later, there's 10 listings on it. 10 people that want to see it. Um, I think that that income bracket from nine ninety five to like the $1,300 bracket is hot. And if it's a two bedroom, it's super hot because someone can get a roommate in there, split the rent and live for six fifty in Colorado. So um, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I just rented a studio for ten ninety five with water, trash, and sewer in there. And uh, I mean, this man has an 810 credit score and mm-hmm. he couldn't find anywhere in Colorado under 1100 bucks that was clean. Now, and this is that one that like right off of Colfax? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes. So the right caveat with that, I guess, is these are also the ones where we're finding that we need to do our, our research on these tenants before we place them. So yeah, we're still getting a lot of interest, but they're also the ones that are kind of like, all right, is this the right decision? How much more do we need to spend on betting this tenant? Um, all tenants you so have to invest a lot yeah. of time in right yeah. now. But our, you know, our other ones that are a little bit higher price, I think what it comes down to is they're on salary jobs that just got changed some work from home rather than they lost their job. 
Okay. So you're, because when I first asked that question, you guys, you know, a lot of people listen to the podcast, you guys have different facial expressions and, and yours kind of went a little bit very different than Ellie's, which is, oh, that's hot. Yours. So you, you're, you're saying it's still a good mark, but more just, hey, you have to really do your extra tenant screening and due diligence on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And it, it's just a matter of making sure it's the right fit. Long-term, a long-term thing. And the big thing is we just have to do our job. Like you have to really take the time and process that application and really ask for all the stuff. Like you can't apply with Arrowhead unless you have pay stubs, driver's license, and everything loaded. Um, You know, and sometimes tenants will try to skirt the system and say, oh, I'll send that later, but go ahead and get me qualified. No, those those days we don't do. I mean, like I need everything. We process everything. So you become a lot more like rigid in your process on there? Yes, we've definitely double quadruple tighten that system down. And we always yeah. have because you ultimately answer to the investor if something happens. But I mean, I've seen some stuff come through on some of our apps and I'm like, that's fraud. That's forged. And you, and I know a couple months ago, you guys said you saw an uptick in like the, the fraud stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And so you still kind of seeing that same trend? Yeah. I just yeah. had an application come through for a $2,500 property. The pay stubs, the driver's license, social security, everything was frauded everything like their photoshop skills were that bad or like how could you yeah it was pretty clear i mean like okay it's a matter of actually calling the numbers (laughs) that they list for references and if pay stubs don't numbers don't change for the last six months something's wrong if you're still being paid by zero 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 four that last six months so yes Uh, yeah and it's you know and when i called them and told them that they were declined you know legally i have to be careful what i say um and i just told them to refer back to the website and i never heard back from them so they knew i caught it so okay Interesting. So uh, just kind of uh, recap, any outside of downtown Denver, any areas that you guys are saying, hey, these are just not great rental markets right now, other than those downtown apartment areas? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. I mean, we had a fourplex um, over in Lakewood. We rented that sucker in eight days straight. I mean, it was eight. Really? Oh, yeah. And it had three one ones and one two bedroom. The two bedroom rented like hotcakes the first day out. And then the other three we had filled within seven days. And did you guys hit your, I know that property because uh, uh, I think we actually had that one in contract. Did you hit the, the performance and stuff you're going for? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Insane. Okay. And that was fast. And that property is located in Lakewood. I mean, it was quick and we never thought it would rent that fast. Interesting. And I, I mean, as just random question for the downtown stuff, you said you're kind of like having to move some homeless people. So have you seen just more homeless people in downtown? Yeah. Okay. I've been. I've not been to downtown since COVID hit. So Absolutely insane. So, Devin lives downtown. Yeah, I live in Alamo Placida, so I kind of okay shoot closer to downtown more often than I'd like to. But uh, I don't know what it is. I think it was some. There was some local Denver laws or something that changed. Kind of as I think it's just right around as COVID struck. I don't remember if it was exactly because of COVID, but it's basically a lot of areas they're now just allowing like open encampments, basically. So couple of the streets are just lined with tents, like the sidewalks are covered. Um, and yeah, I mean, we actually I, I, called the city. Yeah. And they're, I don't know exactly. And ask for help. Why? Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you got your response to answer right away. Right. Well, I will <laughs> tell you, it was actually interesting because the city told me that they're actually building campsites for these guys now. And they're going to start opening up like, like the convention. They were talking about opening up the convention center off of I-70's parking lot to relocate them because they know it is a huge issue. I mean, like when I tell you tents, I mean, I'm telling you there was uh, one of our properties, there's probably 50 tents, shopping carts, grills. I mean, they have made themselves a home. 
but at least Denver is trying to like make it yeah, uh, make it safer for them and trying to actually make it better for uh, well hey good to them that's good. exactly because yeah. you know we we just want to take care of uh the right oh, yeah. and so all we do with our Denver properties is just incentivize in, incentivize and we'll do like a move-in special or I do a lot of look and leases or I'll waive application fees. So they're still moving. They're just not like, you know, downtown Denver used to be like, you put a property in Congress park, you put one of those up, they'd be gone in seconds. So we're just kind yeah. of readjusting how we market it and get them done still for ours. Okay. Yeah. But but all the, all the condos we're, we're buying and sending you guys in Aurora, those are still written, written oh, yeah. hotcakes? They're good. They're written like hotcakes. They're the same. Yeah. Um, awesome. Let's see here. Talk that, talk that, talk that. Those are my main, you guys answered the main questions here. Any other like data points, stories, tidbits you want to share before we wrap up? You know, I think this is the biggest thing is obviously watching the applications, uh, making sure the showings, everybody's still safe. You know, we still run masks and gloves on all our properties, Clorox them down after every tenant leaves. Um, you know, I don't really, you know, marketing, we're trying to really beef up more. Yeah, talk about that for a second. So you, you briefly mentioned that, Devin. You said you guys do a lot more 3D tours. Like, talk about the the, the marketing and the because I mean, this is you know, as well, this is not going away anytime soon. No, yeah, uh, yeah. What are you guys doing to to pivot and adapt? Exactly. So um, previously, um, the way we looked at just leasing and marketing in general was decent photos, something on an iPhone. You know, just. <laughs> You know the basics. Stand in the corner. You know those types of things. Open the window. Don't put your thumb in the camera. Huh? Don't put your thumb in front exactly. of the camera. Exactly. Close the toilet seat. Right? Yes. That that would work. You know, basic marketing <laughs> uh, uh, write ups. You know, just the basic information you need. Post it to Craigslist yeah. and Zillow Network, and you have your interest. Um, COVID hit. Of course, we immediately tried to change. What we did was video walkthroughs. That helped us crazily. You know. Having um, our showers walk through again with an iPhone, um, get a good video, just try to kind of show people what the space actually feels like. Um, step outside, kind of see where what, where your your front door is, you know, because people are not going to see it. Um, and that worked for a little bit, and now we're just even taking it a further step. So now we're getting professional style photos. So it's going to be DSLR on tripod um, with lighting. So that's the next step. And then um, instead of videos, we're doing 3D tours. So we got a 360 camera. So now they're going to actually be able to click through the property. Um, that's just furthering their ability to explore it without seeing it. And then yeah. we're also adding adding uh, floor plans. So again, um, giving people more information. So they feel more comfortable leasing these units. I think it's a matter of trust and they're going to get what they're, they're seeing online. Um, so, and the reason we did floor plans, just as an example, is we had so many people saying, hey, what's the dimension? How big is this wall? Will my bed fit there? You know, simple things that we hadn't had to deal with before because somebody would walk in and they know like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is a good size room. But in a video um, or just pictures, it's harder to tell. So now with floor plans with a little bit of details like, hey, this wall is roughly 12 feet you have to be careful there you know because yeah ha- it has to be accurate so um you know we kind of do a little disclaimer like these are rough measurements but we try our best to be accurate so with the floor plans the 3d tours and then better photos that's what we're doing um we're kind of just getting the ball rolling all that on that so not all of our vacancies have it but we think that's going to help us especially in the future because like you oh, said sure. this isn't going to change um yeah. even if we can do showings i think it's still better kind of like pre-vets you know, tenants before, before we do show it to them. Yeah. And I mean, so obviously this is like, I mean, that's great, but obviously that's causing more work and more upfront costs because a lot of stuff is you're hiring, you know, professionals, not just you or someone with the iPhone. Um, 
is that driving up the leasing costs for your your clients or investors? Are you guys absorbing it right now? Uh, we're going to absorb it all. We're eating it. Um, wow. We're we not eating it's... it. We're absorbing <laughs> it for our investors. We, I mean. Same thing, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a tool for us to lease important. our units quicker, yeah. which, you know, yeah, it's better for them, but that's also better for us. That's our ultimate yeah. goal. You know, we're, our fees are our fees. We, we're, we're going to get the job done regardless. Well, then I'm assuming too, you can then reuse it next year. There, I mean, once you have it, like you're, you're, you're good for a while, yeah, right? We so, look at this yeah. as an overall upgrade that yeah. we will do forever anyways. Um, it's just COVID forced it. And it's very consistent. Cool. Then the marketing is very consistent. It is a lot of time for me. I looked at it. I was like, oh my God, more manpower, more management, more overhead. Um, but I think it's very important. A, we're in our properties because I can tell you I don't leave the office much, and a tenant will call me and say, "Oh, okay, so what color cabinets is it have?" And I'm like, "Um, one moment, please," because I can't tell you how many times I've sent an employee back out to go measure a room, um, or tell a tenant, you know, like, does the refrigerator have a side by side? Maybe our photo didn't clip that because so many tenants are running sight unseen. So I think it's great because Arrowwood's more in their properties on takeover um, and it's just beefing up the service. And that's our goal. Yeah. Let's keep the service cool. high for our owners. Mm-hmm. Great guys. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate the info. Stay busy, stay healthy. We'll talk to you next month. And of course I'll put your guys' contact details in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Perfect. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, everyone. So in this segment, I'm talking with Mark Cunningham. Mark, it's been a month since we talked. How have you been? Time flies, doesn't it? Doing well. Thanks. Glad to be back. Good. Glad to have you here. So I know, um, you know, you and all other PMs, it's been pretty good news so far with, you know, pretty pretty good rents coming in around year over year over last month. But I'm curious as to update and really curious to see if you're hearing anything on, um, and that's only been a couple of weeks since the extra $600 a month unemployment benefits ended. But let's start there. Are you seeing any issues with the extra unemployment uh, ending now and currently being in limbo as to what the government may or may not do? It's, it's a little too early to tell uh, okay. for us within our record. So the, the big perspective is with all of the COVID stuff going on as it relates to rent, what it's done is it's just kind of made the rent collection timeline extended. So for example... On a normal basis, if this were a year ago, I would have told you that by the tenth day of the month, we would have ninety percent of our ninety-five percent of our probably ninety. By the twentieth day, we'd have ninety-five percent, and by the thirtieth day of the month, we'd have ninety-nine percent of our rents. So that's kind of the, the duration. Well, fast forward to today, um, I haven't looked in the last couple of days. We had our, our weekly delinquency and vacancy meeting yesterday, and I didn't even ask what our current delinquency is as of August twelfth because I know it's going to take us to the twentieth to get the majority of those rents in okay. because we've had to extend our collection time frame. So by the end of the month, we'll, we'll be good, but everything is just taking longer. And part of the reason is because we we're, we're doing everything we can to give tenants longer to, to pay. So some of that is self-inflicted. We're saying, listen, you know, as long as you can get your payment in by the 15th, you're great. Can I pay on the 20th? No problem. Pay on the 20th. We're in the, in the past, a year ago, we'd say, listen, you got to get that thing paid. And if not, there's going to be a late fee. We've got to post a notice. Well, now we're, we're coming at it from a very different angle. And part of it is because we do want to be uh, very workable, right? We need to be realistic that, hey, people are having trouble and we don't want, we don't want to be kicking people out of their homes. So we're going to be as workable as is possible. So you can pay on the 20th. Great. We'll take it on the 20th. Does that make our collection percentage between the 1st and the 10th 
fall off the edge of a cliff? Yeah, it kind of does, but that's the reality of that. Now, I I, I have very out of loop with the fluid rules and laws coming out of uh, in the Colorado legislature. Are they allowing uh, landlords and property managers to charge late fees now? Uh, we can charge late fees. Okay. Yes, uh, we are. We have made the decision internally that we're not going to charge a late fee if yeah. somebody is impacted by COVID. We just don't feel that's the right thing to do uh, right now. But yes, you can you can charge a late fee legally uh, that way. And there's a couple different things. So uh, President Trump came out with an executive order just a few days ago, this past weekend, and he addressed evictions in that. Um, and really, it's just kind of more of a feel good executive order. It just says, "Hey, I'm." I'm encouraging states and agencies and landlords to work together to avoid evictions. So it didn't change anything within that executive order. But there's been a lot of talk about, oh, Trump uh, wrote an executive order and prohibited evictions. Well, no, he didn't. He just said, let's let's try to minimize evictions. But he didn't outlaw evictions within the executive order. Now, now the CARES Act, that's the federal act that was passed a number of months ago, that has expired now. Yep. So that's no longer in place. Some of the rules are still kind of filtering through that. Uh, but the big thing we're still seeing in Colorado, and this just came out a couple days ago, is that Governor Polis has once again extended his executive order requiring the notice period that goes to a tenant when they don't pay rent, extending that from the normal state requirement of 10 days and making it 30 days. Okay. That's, the, that's the big change right now. And this is like the third time I think he's extended that. So if a tenant doesn't pay rent, you know, to go back in time, tenant doesn't pay rent, uh, and if we're going to start the eviction process, we would have to serve what is called a, a 10-day demand notice. Once that notice gets served, the tenant still has 10 days to pay, and we just have to sit on our hands for 10 days. Once the 10 days is up, then we can begin an eviction process if we want to. That's the way the law always worked. Well, what Paula said is he said, I'm not going to prohibit evictions, but what I'm going to say is when the tenant doesn't pay and you go serve a notice of demand, that notice of demand has to be a 30-day notice. You've got to give them 30 days that you have to sit on your hands, Mr. Landlord, and wait for them to pay. At the 30 days is up, if they haven't paid, then you can take that notice, give it to your attorney, then they can initiate the eviction process. That so he's sense. extended that 30-day notice now for three months in a row. So it sounds like that from you know all the laws been flying all the laws that have been flying around. I think a lot have been attached to the CARES Act, which expired last month. I guess the main one now is just the Polis's executive order for the 30-day notice period? Correct. Okay. Correct. And we ex we expect that he'll just continue to extend that every 30 yeah. days for who knows how long. So if you're a landlord and your tenant hasn't paid rent, you need to make sure you're giving them a 30-day demand notice on that. And and really, so that, that does give the tenant more time to pay. It absolutely does. The unintended consequences of that, Chris, is it really makes it handcuffs us as landlords. So we almost can't work with tenants on a partial payment arrangement. Because the idea is this, right? Let's say you're my tenant and uh, we hit the first of the month and you say, Mark, I can't pay. And so I say, Well, gosh, Chris, I have to serve you with a 30 day notice, right? If I've got to sit here for 30 days, I'm going to get the notice posted so we can start the clock ticking because I can't do anything for 30 days anyway. So you say, Well, no problem. I'm going to pay on the 20th. And I say, okay, great. I'm going to serve you with a notice, but you come in on the 20th, I'll take it, and we're good, right? Yep. So we hit the 20th, and you say, hey, you know, my rent's a thousand bucks, and I can only come up with 500 of this mark. Will you take 500, and I can pay the other 500 in five more days? Will you take 500? Well, in the past, we just said, sure, give us 500 now. We'll take the other 500 in a week, and we're all happy. Well, now I'm now I have a dilemma as the landlord because I always say, huh, if I take Chris's 500 bucks, 
Now that 30-day notice period and we're 20 days in, it, it erases. I got to start over from the beginning. Oh, really? So if that, Chris okay. doesn't, yeah. So if Chris doesn't come in with the next 500, I just lost 30 days. Well, 30 days is a month. By the time that expires, now we're into the next month. So now Chris owes me a whole nother month rent plus the half the month he didn't pay before. And I got to start my 30 days open. So it, from a landlord's perspective, you think, well, gosh, I, I almost can't have flexibility in taking partial payments from my tenants. Because if I do, if I take $1 from you as my tenant, $1, I've reset the clock. So why would I want to take a dollar? I, I don't want to. I can't because it's not fair to our landlords. So that's, I think, the unintended consequences of this. Because before this was in place, we'd make payment arrangements all day long and take partials all day long. Because if you didn't follow through with your or payment arrangement, it's not a problem. I can serve another 10-day notice and we can restart the clock. Well, now if you don't follow through, I just lost a month as a landlord. So that's what I think folks that are like, hey, let's make it a 30-day notice. Let's make it a 60-day notice. That's what they don't see is really this is hurting tenants because to some extent, we we don't want to take partial payments anymore because if you don't follow through, we can lose months and months. Interesting. So do you do you have a sense of or, or actually, or have you started the eviction process? Like how backed up are the courts? Because once you get past the 30 day, you have to schedule the court date, right? Yeah. We have one that we've been sitting on for about the last five months. And it should be like a slam dunk uh, eviction case. It's a it's a, it's a situation where, unfortunately, a, a tenant passed away and uh, had no relationships with family or next to kin. So it's basically like a, this empty property that's been sitting there for four months, right? And so it should just be a, let's go in, move the stuff out. There's just some junk in there. We want to move it out and take possession. But we have to go through the legal eviction process. Uh, so this okay. one should be about as streamlined as it can be. There's no, there's no dispute. There's no, there's no problems. We just need to get possession. Uh, we actually have court scheduled. We finally got a court date scheduled. It's taken us literally several months. We have a court date scheduled for next week. So we're very curious as to see, is this one going to be kind of easy and smooth sailing for us to regain possession? Because if we can't get this one done, <laughs> then it doesn't speak well of ones that are going to be a little bit more sticky uh, with, with tenants in place. And so post-COVID, this sounds like this is your first eviction court date? This will be our first eviction court okay. date in the last, uh, what, five months? Yeah. So next month, we will see how that goes. Um, and how did you, oh, I'm going to loop back to this. How did your, I know we're sitting in like I think August 12th today. How did your July numbers pan out? Yeah. Just as far as like total gross rent collector, are you still on par for what you did July 19? Yeah, we are. So we looked at that yesterday. So we've got uh, from a percentage of our tenants, because what we're tracking is who still owes money for July. I mean, if, if we're not even counting August yet, because it's still too early in the month, really, we've got about uh, just barely over 1%, about 1.5% of our tenants that still have a balance owed for July. So that, that's good okay. news. Right? I mean, 90, over 98.5% of our tenants have paid uh, all their rents, uh, but that 1.5% still has a balance for July. So with those folks, what we're doing is we're still trying to work with them, but they kind of fall into that category of what I was just talking about, where mm -hmm. we have posted the 30-day notice. And we were just talking yesterday because we had one guy, a tenant, he said, hey, can I come in and pay, I can pay almost all my, my back rent. And so we're thinking, well, no, we can't take that partial because why? Well, because we're like 20 days into the notice period now. So if we take it, we just lost 20 days. So we say, we'll still take your full payment, but we can't take the partial. So keep your money, <laughs> we're turning, keep your money until you get all of it, then come and pay. But by the time that happens, it's probably going to be September. So then it's a catch 22 again. Well, now we say, well, gosh, if we take this now, we're a month behind again. 
So it's uh, that's the trick that and that requires, I think, just some real wisdom in landlords knowing their tenants, what they're able to do, how much risk they're willing to take, and how much how much longer they're willing to extend the potential collection and eviction process on some of these. Because we do have a couple tenants, I think, just two of all. We have two that are they're playing the system. Right? They're saying, hey, you know what? I don't have to pay rent. Come get me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not paying. And I'll do, let's just see how this plays out. And they're going to drag this thing out. And uh, they have the legal right to do so. And so those are the folks that are, are kind of gaming the system. And there's very few folks doing that, I think, on a larger scale. Uh, but that's the reason the system was designed, right? To keep yeah. folks like that from gaming these small landlords. Uh, and so that's unfortunate. Can you share, um, I know you mentioned to me before hit record, I want to ask you before I give the number, but can you kind of share you know, the, the percent of tenants you have that are gaming the system or, or just are totally refusing to pay anything? Because you, you have about a thousand doors under management, you said, right? Yeah, we've got we've got about a thousand doors uh, and I think we have two tenants. So okay. two out of a thousand that are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't want to pay. Just not going to do it and, and uh, ceasing that. But within even with, with taking those into consideration overall, we still only have, I think we've got like nine tenants that have balances uh, with July rent. Okay, so you have about two gaming the system and just about nine that are not fully paid up through July. Correct. So you're okay, so all that is well below, if I'm doing my mental math right, well below 1% of your overall portfolio, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And when we look at the numbers, because some of those folks haven't paid, you know, they haven't paid April, they haven't paid May, they are, excuse me, they haven't paid May, June, or July. So some of the balances can be significant, right? When those yeah. balances start accruing, but from a number of individuals, we're seeing that very small. Okay, so good overall, unless you're one of those unlucky landlords that has. Yeah, the, yeah. The, if you're that unlucky landlord, lesson. you're saying, "Well, Mark, that that sounds great. I'm glad everyone's yeah. paying, but my tenant isn't." <laughs> and I've, I've talked to some other PM companies uh, that that do have much higher delinquency numbers. So I think some of it as a landlord, you have to factor in what class of property do you have, right? I mean, A, B, and C class properties, that's mm-hmm. that's different. Uh, as well as this is a, a good way if you are a landlord for you to measure how effective your tenant screening process has been leading into this, right? If you had a really lax screening process and you were just letting people come in that really weren't qualified, well, then you're probably seeing, you know, I talked to somebody, they've got like 20% delinquents. Uh, at this point in time mm. for last month still. Well, what that tells me is, gosh, your screening process probably just wasn't where it really should have been uh, letting those folks in in the first place. Great. Well, Mark, those were all the questions and data points I had. Anything you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, just a little side note on, on activity. Leasing activity is still through the oh, roof. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a ton of demand for vacants. Still very slow for downtown. Downtown condos, especially, we talked about that last month. That's just gotten worse uh, with individuals looking to rent properties because of everything going on. Now, is that both like because uh, you know uh, from you know looking at some you know other friends that are realtors that are listing properties, and then I read the uh, Denver Metro apartment vacancy data they released last month or for quarter two, and what I've heard is that you know from there the class A from selling and leasing those rents kind of drop. But the Class B stuff, the older buildings, is not quite as bad. Correct. Is that are you seeing similar stuff? Yeah, absolutely, and it makes sense, okay. right? Because people that would have previously rented the Class A, they're like, oh, yeah, that was stretching my budget. Let's go get a Class B. You know, let, let's save three hundred bucks a month and go get this place that's five years older and maybe doesn't have the rooftop pool. And so you're still going to see demand. The demand is going to fall from Class A to Class B. It's going to get pushed back. 
which is exactly what's happening. Uh, but that class A now, there's just not much demand for that from the income side. And then everything that's kind of happening in the urban center, that's that's having an impact as well uh, with folks saying, gosh, I don't know if I want to be downtown uh, right now. The suburbs don't sound so bad. So yeah, you, do you I mean, think that's mostly from like the pricing or if you're like, hey, I'm living downtown to go to bar, you know, hey, if I was, you know, I'm no longer 25 and single, but if I was, downtown's an awesome place to live. Um, I, I think it's a trifecta. Life. Yeah, okay. it's a trifecta of the, the economic conditions, right? I mean, do I have a job? Well, you know, it's a it's concept of that. You got the COVID stuff going on. So you, the last thing you wanted to be doing is sitting in an elevator with seven other people, right? Riding to your yeah. penthouse unit. So you think, gosh, the suburbs don't sound too bad. You've got the fact that most people can work remotely now. Right? I mean, you're sitting in your house. I'm sitting in my house. So if I have the ability to work remotely and I can move to the suburbs and save another 500 bucks a month in rent and have a property with a, my own garage and my own backyard, huh, that sounds kind of attractive. Yeah. And then you've got kind of the, the urban stuff that's going on right now um, with social unrest. I mean, you, it's like a, a perfect storm of driving people out of downtown. We've got a we've got a property, Chris. And look, here's my sheet. Right, this is my my vacancy sheet yesterday. So every week we go through vacancies. We have a downtown condo right now, high end, beautiful unit. It has been vacant on the market for 134 days. Now I saw that. Wow. I mean, and we've been tracking it. So that was even pre-COVID, then, right? All right. Yeah, we or... had some trouble getting rented, and and now that's like that is an outlier beyond outliers. Okay. But like to me, I'm like, this is insane. What is going on? And and it's just been this confluence of you know, well, for a while downtown was shut down, and people couldn't even find a place to park to get there. And like I said, that's an outlier. But but it's there. <laughs> if that's your unit, doesn't make you feel any better. That's an outlier, right? But we. It's just hard. It's hard to move that that property. So I think we're going to see that continue. We're going to see rents get more depressed uh, in that downtown market. If I'm an investor, if you're an investor and, and you own stuff down there, I I'd be concerned. I'd be uh, dropping some rents, locking in some longer term rates and, and le- least terms if possible. Or if you're thinking of moving out of that market from a sales standpoint, now may not be a bad time to move out. Maybe if rents if if uh, prices drop, maybe that's a buying opportunity. But uh, I'm certainly not putting my money there right now. Yeah, we we don't buy the the nice class A stuff downtown. So we've ne- and so for as far as like your the, the downtown area, uh, it sounds like the class A is getting the biggest you know rent hit and the highest vacancy uh, for those the, the class B properties, whether they're like the older buildings or like you know there's lots of the the single family, you know, the, the the duplexes, fourplexes, the small ten unit buildings. What are you seeing in rents on those and like, you know, in on the more the outskirts of downtown, either the, the Colfaxes, the Cheeseman Parks, the Congress Parks types areas? Rents have still been stable on those. Okay. Uh, we haven't seen really a drop off in, in interest on those. They're, they're still moving. We had, we had more inquiries last week on a week because we measure it week over week. We had more inquiries on our vacants. It may have been an all-time record within one week of, of just inquiries. Now, those didn't all translate into showings. They didn't all translate into applica- applications. But those are like phone calls, emails. Yeah, phone calls and emails. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things I said to my, my team, I said, gosh, guys, when I look at these numbers, like to me, this says we've got a lot, of, a lot of tire kickers as well, right? People that aren't, they aren't like desperate to move, but they're thinking about it. Hey, give me some information on 123 Main Street. And now nah, I don't want to go see it, but uh, I'm starting to look around. So I don't know what that is. I don't know where that's coming from, but there's a lot of tire kickers right now based upon the number of inquiries we're seeing because these inquiries are not translating into showings. At least they didn't in the last couple of weeks uh, from that standpoint. So I think people are just keep, keeping their options open. Perfect. Well, Mark, I appreciate the insight and the input as always. So uh, we'll talk to you next month and 
Stay busy and stay healthy. You too, Chris. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I'm now talking with Gray Hall from GK Houses. So Gray has been on, I think, all but last month's podcast. And I was able to give the couple bullet points you emailed over. So so that was great. As a quick recap, you know, if I recall correctly, pretty much, you know, year over year, the last four or five months, you guys have been with about one to two percent of what you did the year over year. So how we know we're recording this middle of August. How did July pan out for you guys? July, right in line, 97%. So we've kind of hovered every month. Uh, I think the lowest month is 96 and a half up to 98. So right in line with where everything's been. It's been very consistent, which has been awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, just kind of within 1% of last year. So nothing you know, monumental. You know, If you were just looking at the data, you wouldn't know that like a pandemic was going on. Um, so yeah, that's really, really encouraging. Um, we're currently year to date at 95%. Um, so midway through the so month year to date, what does that mean? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Month to date. So in August, okay. so kind of pivoting over okay. to August, uh, we're at 95%. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of payment plans that kind of come through on the 15th. Uh, and so once that data gets updated, I'd expect it to be, you know, August to be right where July ended up. Now, if I recall, I think you said you had, you know, out of all the properties you managed, I think you said you had, you had a couple people that are not paying, um, mm-hmm. some probably legitimate, some maybe gaming the system. Um, the eviction moratorium, I know they're now they're allowing evictions now, I should say, have you started the 30 day posting or evictions process any with your tenants or what, what are you doing? What are you advising your owners? Yeah, we have started it only with two, um, people and that's just people who are completely, yeah, non-responsive and we've made every effort to work with them because that's really in the owner's best interest. We don't, we haven't gone through an eviction yet. So I don't know once it gets to the court system, what's going to happen. I think that's kind of the gamble, how long it's going to take. Um, and with, you know, going from 10 days to 30 days. So we're advising everybody, um, work with people as much as you can, but with collections where they're at, it's a very small subset of our tenants and owners that we're kind of having to advise through that. So, um, yeah, we've had to, to post on two and, you know, one of them is just, yeah, completely non-responsive and the other one's just not willing or able to pay. And I'm assuming for the postings, you're probably not at that 30 day mark yet right no we're not yet so okay. i think they were posted at the beginning of this month and do you have any sense as to like how backlog the courts are i really don't uh that's a good question i should probably ask my attorney um i, I bet one of our pms has but I, I don't really know and so that's kind of okay. all summer we've been advising with works with tenants kind of figure out ways outside of the court system because it could be really backed up and if tenants dig their heels in, the last thing you want to do is get in a backed up court system. So, oh yeah, um, <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Um, I, I've yet to talk to a property manager yet in this round who they've gotten to the court date yet. Yeah, it'll probably one be has next round. their first court date in like two weeks, I think. So, oh we'll, really? Yeah, that's the the earliest one I've seen. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah how that is. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, next month you get start some of those yeah. evictions going through, and then um, you know the end of that the uh, the six hundred dollar unemployment. So. We'll see maybe in September. That's kind of the thought is just we'll, we'll better know if a lot of that uh, unemployment money was going towards rent or if it was just not anything to worry about. So, And um, do you have any in the, any guesses or indications on there? Okay. I think it'd be right, right around the same. I mean, I don't think – I think a lot of our people are still employed because um, we reached out and it was about – like we, we kind of did like a very offensive uh, effort in – early pandemic about reaching out with people. Hey, let us know if you are you know being affected by this and reach out. Um, and like, I think less than 5% reached out. 
so the vast majority are, are handling on their own. Um, and I don't, so I don't think that we'll have too big of an impact in September. What are you seeing as far as like leasing activity? So when I was looking at leasing, one, one thing to note about uh, renewals, this is interesting. So March through May, our renewal percentage, which kind of this, this feeds into leasing, which is why I was looking at it, was in the 80%, 80 to 85%. And then- And that's and people renewing their lease. That's people, that's current okay. tenants renewing their lease. And so then we don't have to go out and lease the property. And that actually, that dropped in June and July. And that was about, so about 65% of our tenants were renewing. So that leaves the other 35%. So people were moving. And so we've had more houses on the market. And I don't know if that's, you know, we're, we're probably about 75% historical about where we're renewing leases. And so this was more people moving. And I don't have the data to tell me if they're moving to cheaper places or, or other places like that. So we've had a, we've had a, you know, really big, really busy June and July. Um, applications tripled in July. Like our, we, we measure applications per house and that tripled in July. So a lot of people out there, you know, looking Triple, at houses like from June or from the previous July. From June to wow. July. Yeah. So we just a huge influx of applications on properties. Are um, you seeing more traffic on detached properties in the suburbs with yards and space, or are you seeing just every property getting a bigger influx? Yeah. Every yeah. Every property. Um, and we manage a majority single family. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't pull out that data. But that's okay. what um, our occupancy numbers is the company. So we manage about 2,600 homes in about five different markets in the States. And our occupancy numbers have been uh, really high. And so higher historically. And so that does kind of lead to that theory that more people are looking to single family homes. Um, and so it could be pandemic related, you know, a lot of stuff. So as a company, we've seen that trend. Um, I haven't necessarily looked into that in Denver, so I can't speak to that. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of like just the overall markets, are you seeing um, a couple of things? Are you are you seeing rents go flat? Rents go up? Are you seeing different parts of town go go uh, you know uh, higher than other? Because I'm asking this now because I read yeah. the quarter two Denver Apartment Association you know written vacancy report. Mm-hmm. Now, while that's like you, that's the big money downtown. Yeah, and they actually saw I think the rents decrease like thirty six dollars overall, mm-hmm. which has not been in line with talking with like you and other and I'll say the small the the mom and pop property managers yeah. for mom and pop investors. Uh, are you still seeing what are you seeing in the rent trends going? So, when looking at renewals, I've got hard data. Our average renewal increase was three percent. So we were bumping up the price between June and August of the leases that ended in June. So for our current tenants, and then I think it's roughly the same. We've been pushing for a slight increase. So year over year, I, yeah, we haven't seen the same data that I think that, because I heard that stat as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't have hard data on our new properties, but the, the renewals was 3% increase um, okay. from the current rates. So yeah, we're still getting that and still pushing them. Okay. So you're, you're still seeing rent increases. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 3%. Is that your normal rent pump you do? Yeah, that's okay. consistent. Yeah, so, so we're, yeah, we're between two and five percent depending on the property and depending on market. So it usually lands about three percent. So that's kind of right in line with where we've been historically. Oh, okay. Yeah, good news. Um, what about? Because I think you guys, I think up in um, Fort Collins, I think one of your divisions, you do a lot of, like student housing, right? We do. That's more like in Boulder. Um, oh, more in Boulder? Yeah, in Boulder. Uh, we got some up in Fort Collins, but more in Boulder. It's just there, there's a lot of students living there, and so students move into the properties. What's Are you seeing any interesting trends with, I mean, obviously, you know, colleges in a really tough mm-hmm. spot right now? 
Yeah. Um, and you know, I, you know, I follow the headlines every week. They're changing what they're doing. Yeah. You, what type of trends are you seeing in the student housing market or anything significant? No, I mean, yeah, not, not, nothing significant for me to mention. I mean, we're still leasing the, you know, a lot of times that'll be uh, residents with the co-signer, you know, their parents are, yeah. uh, you know, signing for them. So we're, we're still leasing properties up there. Uh, we're still leasing sight unseen. So that would tell me that people are either not able to look at the property because it's occupied or they're moving from out of state, um, you know, potentially. So it would all be kind of speculation. So I don't really have any okay. trends on that one. Because I think, I don't know if you know this, but I think CU Bowl, because I was talking to my neighbor across the street with two kids, mm-hmm. I, or you know, two young adults, I should say. I think CU Boulder is opening back up, right? Or do you know? I don't know, but I think okay. I think so. Um, yeah, it changes so frequently. I haven't kept up with it. Yeah, um, I'm not. <laughs> and yeah. I think that renters are you know, probably going ahead. And it's like, if it's 50-50 right now, they're going to at least be in the city. Um, and so we've, we haven't had any issue, at least in our Boulder properties. Well, plus, I mean, I'm thinking back to when I was in, in college. I was like, if I if I was locked out my parents' house, I was a junior in college. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go back no matter what. So oh, yeah, especially freshman ready to get out of there. Too. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> coercing mom and dad. You know, hey, I'm sure that I'm sure that the school year is going to go on. Yeah. All right, so we got rental data, uh, eviction stuff, leasing activity. Uh, those are my main questions. What other insights, data, just what other stuff are you seeing out there? Um. Man, I think we kind of hit most of this stuff. I mean, yeah, we're still taking on properties. People are buying, taking advantage of these low interest rates. That's really crazy to see where they're at. I'm sure you guys deal with that a lot. Um, but yeah, leasing is really strong. I mean, our vacancy is really low. Our days on market is some of the lowest it's ever been. So now's the time to lease property. This is kind of the summer season. So we're really making the push this next 30 days to get all our properties off the market. And so um, we just found that they typically go for more money and they sit on the market for less time. And hmm. the kind of May through end of August, once you start to get to middle of September, uh, it, it, things tend to send out there longer. So that's my advice. Just kind of, if you got a rental, you know, try to get at least right now or at least into a long term. And a lot of people kind of did month to month through the end of summer. So just be thinking about that. Try and get something locked into the next summer cycle uh, to make it easier on yourself next year. And I don't know if you know this, but just it's always interesting to talk to you with with uh, GK's national exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, other markets are in the southeast. From yeah. a high level, are you seeing similar trends here in Denver or in the markets like you know tanking? Like, just what are they doing? No, it's very similar. Strong leasing okay. across all markets. Um, yeah, I mean our Atlanta market is tons of. They're still getting tons of applications for a house. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very similar, which is kind of interesting. Denver and all these smaller, smaller markets in the South. So yeah, very similar trends, uh, really high collection rates, uh, yeah, low delinquency rates, uh, we're leasing properties pretty quickly, which is really exciting to see, you know, for investors and people looking to get into the markets, um, that this is, yeah, still a good time. And another random question here for you, Gray, have you yeah. had any of your, you know, landlord clients? I mean, how many or if any have they like freaked out and like, hey, get rid of my tenant. I want to sell my place. If you had many <laughs> investor clients just freak out because the world's ending. And it's, it's hard to tell if it's a combination of freak out and the fear, but also, I mean, home prices. I mean, you saw that. I mean, home prices are I think, the highest they've been in Colorado. And yeah. so it's taking advantage to say I could de-risk here and I could take some money off the table. So we've had a fair number of owners. I and mean, that's what the majority of owners kind of leaving our uh, you know, our business are just selling. Okay. Uh, but we haven't had like, not no nobody's just a pure freak out and kind of you know spur of the moment. But it's probably taking all the factors in consideration of the equity that they have in their house, the risk that they could have if you know around two comes or 
uh, if their specific tenant did have payment issues. But for the most part, um, you know, a lot of the owners selling were already planning on selling. And so it might just have sped up the timeline, uh, kind of given the current marketing conditions with low inventory. Yeah, I've talked to a few clients that actually a lot of times been through like chit chat as we've been buying properties. Um, yeah. You know, from, you know, from a listing age or another, where like just, you know, I'll say like a lot of like, you know, older investors, they got a, you know, portfolios they bought in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. They're cashing out now, just take their chips off the table. They're like, yeah. hey, you know, they're, they're, you know, one guy, he's retired. He's 70 something in Hawaii. He's selling like 30 properties in Denver <laughs> just to take the money off the table. So yeah. I, I'm curious of how much that is going. For especially, like, you know, as you said, people that are older, they're in a good position and they're just yeah. wanting to move their money and move it to maybe somewhere a little bit more safer or not safer, but just less volatile, you know, if you're an older investor. Yeah, because if you're like, hey, I built this and if it, yeah. you know, if you got the potential to lose it, it took them a long time to build it. And so if they take the money off the table and maybe they're thinking they could sit it out for a year or two um, or kind of put it somewhere a little, you know, maybe less risky if they're viewing it. But um, yeah, I think there's definitely some of that going on, uh, but I think it's I think it's a lot of factors. I don't think anything has been driven purely by I'm afraid of having a tenant right now because it's working out for a lot of people. You know, I mean, yeah. it's still paying rent and we're still able to lease properties and get tenants in there. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing freak out worthy uh, that I'm seeing right now. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, I appreciate the update. And uh, in the meantime, stay healthy, stay busy, and we'll talk in September. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. All right. So in this segment, I'm talking with Anne-Marie Sunday of Legacy Property Management. Now, Anne-Marie, I know you couldn't make it last month's podcast. I think you were traveling. So we got to catch up on how things went in June and July for you. So first off, glad to have you back. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me again. Love being here. Of course. And so, you know, as a quick reminder, you have a lot of, you know, detached single families in your portfolio. And I know through uh, April, May, for this first couple months we started doing this, you were at like 100% rent collection. Yes. How did things pan out for you in June and July? 100%. We haven't missed it. For both months? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, And well, that's phenomenal. What are you seeing? Is all, you know, we're recording this, I think, August. 14th is today. How's rent collection so far this month? So we have everyone but one and he has um, requested uh, due to a job change. He has requested for the last two months to pay on the 15th. He made it in July and he will, he will, he's already has every intention. He's already emailed and texted. He'll have his rent in tomorrow. So we we don't have any reason not to believe that. So sounds like a great tenant. Yeah, he's. We're. I'm very blessed to have really good tenants communicating as well. So, what are you seeing from like the leasing activity standpoint? Uh, crazy. I, it, it blows my mind how incredibly still here we are um, in August. Typically, we start to see a little bit of a downturn. Certainly, last August it went really, really quiet. Picked up a little bit in the fall, but um, we have not stopped having large leasing months since February. And again, just finished July with a large leasing month. We have several properties that are up for lease currently. And most of these are, I would say half of them are new into our portfolio. So we have added six new properties in the month of August and we're halfway through the month. Oh, wow. And are these just um, like like new investors buying properties or or primaries turning investments? Um, 
little bit of both, actually. A couple of primaries getting relocated out of the state. A couple of investors that, you know, they moved, they bought their another primary and they're still in the state and want to rent instead of selling. Um, that that's uh, about three of them. Um, another one listed for sale and decided, Hey, how about if I list for lease and see what happens first? So, um, we just got that last night. It's a cherry Creek mil over million dollar house that we're listing for lease as well as it's listed for sale with an agent. So I'm curious, So what, what's the list price on there roughly? He's, he's for lease or sale. It's listed for, for both. It's listed for sale at 1.375. We're going to list it for lease at 6,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So that's coming from, I do that with realtors that know how to do that with me because, yeah. um, you know, there's rules of engagement when you do that. Um, first, first person with a contract has to back, have, has to back off. So, so for, first person with contract wins, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, my, my approach to that is really just to support the owner that's sitting with holding costs on a 1.3. That's you you don't have, I I guarantee you, you will double your showings on a $1.4 million house. You'll double your showings just by listing for lease. It's, it's inevitable. And so we'll list and probably take a few more people. Who knows? He might get a buyer out of it. So I, I got to kind of take a, a, a right turn tangent here with you. How, how are those good rental properties? How are $6,000 good $6, rental $6,000 on, on a $1.2 million house. Um, that, those can't cash flow, right? Uh, well, it kind of depends on what kind of mortgage he's holding. Which he, yeah. You know, usually, um, usually on money's cheap right now, but... Uh, I mean, usually what's happened in a scenario like that is this type of thing will come around September or October, and they kind of know that they're going to be sitting on the market for sale through the winter trying to cover costs. It's just, he doesn't really care that he's, he, he's breaking even. He's not necessarily has it as an investment. He's just trying to get to the spring months to list it again in a better market. Okay, that that makes sense. I, I always forget, you know, that the the million dollar plus housing market is something is a sandbox I don't play in. So I, I forget that that's just an entirely different market than like the the five hundred thousand dollar and less stuff yeah. that we buy. That's right. Yeah. So you know, we're happy to list short term or long term. He just knows that he could get either uh, up to an eight month, nine month lease and end him in the spring, or he's going to wrap all the way about a 15 month into 2022 spring and try it again. He's okay. not intending to have that as an investment property long-term. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm assuming, you know, I've asked the other property managers this, but since you've been in hundred percent rent collection and you've had a lot of, you know, your portfolio is a lot of detached properties. I'm taking the assumption here that most of your tenants are able to work remotely. Um, yes. So, Correct. Are you, are you worried about the $600 extra unemployment benefit ending a couple weeks ago? Um, so, I mean, we've heard, you know, I still have said from the get-go that I think where we may see the repercussions financially could be September and October when people, I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that most of my tenants are working from home, but some of them are pulling unemployment And they've exercised their stimulus check. They've exercised their savings. And so some of them could, 
um, see, we could see some repercussions of requests for, you know, a payment plan, um, say September and October. And from the onset, I have said that I think it, it would, if it's going to hit, it's going to hit in the fall. And so that's kind of where I'm waiting to see, um, which is why we've really stayed communicative with our tenants, I think. So do you have any type of like, because I I know you're pretty active in, you know, like the the state level legislature and advocacy for investors and property managers. With your following the political scene, are, are any groups in real estate advocating for more employment benefits? And do you have any like feel for how are any predictions for how how much the unemployment benefits running out will affect renters? Yeah, no, I haven't been involved with advocating for more unemployment. I mean, other than if uh, if NARPM, which I'm a part of NARPM, um, which is the National Association for Residential Property Managers, I'm I'm involved nationally as well as locally. We have a big Denver chapter. You know, if they call for action, um, then yeah. But now that session is now done for the House and the Senate in, you know, on Capitol Hill, um, you know, we're not doing this mad scramble to testify against bills that might come up. I think the thing that is most disheartening is the executive order that continues to get delayed or extended, I should say is the better word, by the governor for um, the evictions. So we're still at a 30-day eviction notice, and that just got extended to now September 13th, another month. Oh, it did? It did. Okay. It did. And I I don't think you're, I mean, you're not posting anyone for eviction, right, based on your rent collections? Mm -mm. No, we don't have any, we don't have any um, evictions that are happening, and we, we actually, even though we could charge late fees, we have yet, I think we'll start that September one. Um, we really don't even have to charge charge late fees because our tenants are paying pretty much within the the time. So I'm not charging those typically, but I've even given grace to that, even though you could go back to to charging late fees now. Yeah. I mean, I, I I mean, that makes sense to me. And are you, is that what you're like advising your, your landlords to do, or are you just doing yourself like, Hey, let's like, we don't need to worry about a couple bucks here. Let's just kind of big picture mind, just keep the rent collection and send good communication with our tenants. Like how are you advising your, your owners and your, your owner clients to, to handle that? Um, well, I mean, our owners, um, again, I'm very blessed. They are very trustworthy. Um, there are so few, I mean, I can count on one hand where I would charge a late fee to tenants. It's just not these, you know, most of the tenants that have been late, I'm talking one day, they have communicated that they're going to be pay rent. They're just one day. They have no bad acting history. So um, I'm still being very lenient during this time. Um, I think once the executive order, the 30 day notice to evict is, is tough. Um, I'm thankful I'm not in the eviction courts, but for anybody else, I mean, that's just crazy. So you asked, are, am I involved with things? I would say that writing to the governor and explaining why this is, you know, really detrimental to private owners, yeah. um, the continual uh, delay is, you know, so that, that's the part that's the hardest is the eviction timeframe. That makes sense. Um, great. So you answer my questions, your rent collection, leasing, we talked about employment. What other just tidbits and, and knowledge you want to share with our listeners? 
Um, well, we were talking about, I think before we've um, talked about, is it still a good time to buy? Yes. Um, I, I think so. I mean, money is cheap. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, single family homes are still in demand. We still, if, if you know anything about the Denver purchase market, there isn't a lot of inventory. So people that are moving into our state, um, getting relocated, they don't have places to find to buy. And now that we have started school, they tend to be, especially if they have families in a panic of just finding a place to settle down for the year. So again, single family homes are still renting within 30, 45 days max if you're in a decent area. And um, I still think it's a great time. You just have to know that um, Colorado has some serious legislation that you know we are all being very cognizant of and hopefully have a property manager that, that can navigate those laws really well. And I know, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or just a side conversation we had, but you had mentioned, I think this was back in like April, May, that you, you released, you know, within one month, like like five homes in the Highlands Ranch, and they're all to uh, tenants from New York City. Um, and I might be butchering that a little bit, but something like that stuck with my mind. Are you still seeing a big influx of, of people from big cities coming out here? Yeah, I think it was. Um, so there was a big company that moved. Um, VF Corp moved into Denver and a huge slot, huge onslaught of employees got relocated into Colorado. Um, we, we leased several to them. I've also managing two um, for employees of that, of VF Corp. So um, it's not just there. I mean, Roxborough Park is a very, uh, or Littleton area is a very sought after trail mark just because of the um, in the, the increase in funds into Lockheed. So we were seeing people come in or graduates, you know, getting homes over there. I mean, it's just, if you follow where, where the industry is that, that is booming, that's where the housing is needed. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we still have lots of, um, houses that go up on the highlands they lease within, I can probably lease them within two to three weeks and it might be a roommate scenario, but urban living is still really popular. So. And um, I know you have properties, you know, in the Highlands and that area. Do you have much stuff in like, like Denver core downtown, like, like class A condos or, or the new build yeah. stuff in like downtown area? Yeah, I have four in the Colorado, for example. What are you seeing? And I don't know if they come up, have come up on, you know, uh, vacant since the pandemic, what are you seeing as far as like rent trends and vacancy up there? Because from agents I've talked to, I know they're having a, it seems like a harder time selling some of those higher end condos and then reading the quarter two uh, Denver apartment association, you know, rent data, they actually showed like a 30, I think $36 rent drop in quarter two. And that was like really that core downtown Denver. Have you noticed any trends on like the properties you have up there? Yeah, I just got a new one into the portfolio in the Colorado. And that very same unit, um, I two floors above, I uh, acquired in the portfolio when the Colorado first opened. And that unit was listed over three grand. It's a, about 820 square feet. Uh, and now it's, um, we're trying for 2,600 right now. But likely, I'm thinking it's going to lease around the 25, 
or just 2450. It's and so that's the same unit or the similar unit, like a few four, few fours, two, few two floors, floors down, identical to, to it. And so it, potentially and, like a, a four to five hundred dollar rent drop from two years ago. Yep. And wow. and the biggest reason is um, the market in the downtown to me is I've toured all of the apartments and then there's condos. It just got flooded in the downtown market. There's so much availability to choose from. And if you're competing with a quote unquote apartment building that has some pretty darn nice amenities as well, um, they offer free rents to get you in there from month to month, you know, or whatever. They're much more flexible than a private owner, condo owner. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, the investment of a downtown luxury condo is, is probably pretty tough right now, unless you have paid cash. Yeah. And okay. Just, and especially in a Colorado where the, uh, HOA is extremely high. What is, do you want the HOA is there on an 800 square foot? It's about 600 a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, again, that you know, we don't do a lot in that market, but it's just interesting talking to you and some other property managers and reading data. It seems like that that Class A luxury stuff is is the is the one thing in the market where rents are are depressed. Is yes. that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah. it's just a level of expectation you're setting with your owner. I mean, if they're thinking they're going to cash flow, I'm hoping just to keep them in, you know, n not posting a negative for the month. I mean, yeah. by the time you take HOA, their mortgage and, and a management rate. You There's know, we probably want to a lot, lot left over than I would think. No. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Amory, you've answered all my questions. So thank you. Any other final thoughts you want to share before we wrap up? No, I just, I think, you know, our market is still showing a lot of positives in, and from the, from the leasing side, as well as, you know, Despite what's happening in our world with COVID, I really feel like, you know, thankfully Denver's real estate market is still very, very active, very, very strong. And we're going to overcome this, uh, you know, regardless of what goes on. But money is cheap right now. It's a great time to buy. So I, I agree. You can do it. Do it. <laughs> cool. Awesome, Marie. Thank you so much. So stay healthy and we'll see you next month. Sounds great, Chris. Thanks.